What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button over there, and you get links to these shows that go out Monday through Friday. You get all my written content for SportsEthos.com, as well as other uh, Twitter baseball content that I put out there, different threads and other things like that. Now, my voice does sound a little rough today. Uh, I do have COVID. Uh, Finally, it happened after more than two years now, two and a half years. I had not got COVID yet, but I appear to have picked something up uh, either on my trip or at the airport. So forgive the slightly gravelly voice that I have today. We probably won't go for as long as we typically do. It'll probably be 20 to 25 minutes today. Uh, Give the old throat a bit of rest, have some tea, and hopefully tomorrow will sound a little bit better. I do want to quickly apologize for yesterday. I was having some trouble with my audio. So if you listened to the show yesterday and it was a little bit choppy on the replay, I was listening and there was a couple of things we're not the proudest of, just some cuts that didn't sound the greatest. So my apologies there. The uh, technology that I use to record audition is sometimes a little in and out. It quits on you sometimes and you have to re-enter the program and then it re-edits and does weird stuff. It's a weird weird way to record software eventually i might go to a different software but for right now i'm using audition it did give me a bit of grief yesterday so my apologies for the uh for the bit of choppy editing that sounded like i mean when i first recorded it it was okay and then i listened back to it and it did not sound great there was some stuff that i said just end of sentences that were cut off so my apologies there guys we're gonna go like i said probably 20 25 minutes today talking about some of the top performers from yesterday we're going to look ahead at a couple of pitching matchups that I'm keeping my eye on today, and we'll talk about a couple of nice streamers off the waiver wire, a couple of drops as well. We'll go we'll go through some ads and drops, not just a couple of streamers. We'll go through a few different things. So we'll start with yesterday. Kevin Gosman had himself uh, a really great bounce back after really struggling over his last couple of times out. We've seen the walks pick up a little bit. I mean, at the beginning of the year, he wasn't walking anybody, I think, the first 50 or so innings. And now he's, he's walked a guy in every single outing since then. Uh, yesterday he did have two, but that was as far as the complaints really go. Seven innings, four hits, ten strikeouts. He did get the win, and it was actually his highest scoring fantasy game of the season in terms of uh, at least Yahoo points, and I think it's the same on ESPN. He had 39.6, uh, tying his season high with ten strikeouts. He also threw a season high 110 pitches. A great bounce back for him after a couple, like I said, rough outings, specifically against Baltimore where he gave up five earned runs. Wasn't so bad against Chicago his last time out, but this is more the Kevin Gosman we saw at the beginning of the season. The Kevin Gosman, who is likely to be in the Cy Young category or Cy Young contention as the year goes on. Great stuff out of him there. Now, Chad Cool did what we were all expecting him to do, of course, yesterday. He went into, uh, well, at home. It was a home start against the Dodgers, and he threw a complete game shutout, which, I mean, damn. I mean, that's not what we were expecting one bit from Chad Cool. He did have a stretch earlier in the season, his first few starts of the year, where he was actually very good, and then he settled back into what you expect out of Chad Cool. I don't know that anybody got hurt uh, last night more than Mr. Ryan Bloomfield, our friend. He dropped him for uh, Lou Trevino during the Sunday fab uh, Sunday fab period. Ryan, sorry, buddy. I know that that's a tough one. Can't really expect that to have happened, but... There are a ton of outliers that go on. You can't predict baseball. Uh, This is one of the biggest outliers you're going to see all season. And, you know, he's actually not been terrible, as I say that. He's got a 3.49 ERA, if you include yesterday's start. Fairly low strikeouts and low whip, and he does pitch in Colorado, so there's not much value to be had there. But he is a decent 
option, I think, for some away streams. This was uh, an, this was an anomaly here. I wouldn't look for any repeat performances of this going forward. But still, very cool to see him do that to the Dodgers. Also, a Jose Iglesias home run. Uh, very strange stuff, but you'll take it. Of course, if you're a fantasy manager, you will take it. Adam Wainwright had himself a very nice game as well. Seven innings pitch, nine strikeouts, one walk and seven hits against. Again, Adam Wainwright, we said it yesterday, this is probably going to be his last season of fantasy eligibility or eligibility of viability. I would I would think that he probably retires, and I would imagine he and Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols kind of ride off into the sunset together. That would be what I expect, but, I mean, if he keeps pitching like this, he can just kind of be the, the Tom Brady of uh, Major League Baseball, I guess, if you want to put it like that. I think that he's going to have value as long as he wants to pitch, really. I mean, he's, I think, 39 years old. Let me quickly look that up. I think he's 39, might be 38. Uh, he's actually, shit, he's 40. He's 40 years old, Adam Wainwright. He's actually going to be 41 this year in uh, in August. Wow. He, I thought he was a little bit younger than that. He's been around a long time, but he has still managed to keep up this fantasy value. And this was actually, like, his arguably his best game he's pitched all season you could maybe argue that it was a San Diego start at the end of May. But this is about as good as we saw Adam Wainwright with the nine strikeouts. Like I said yesterday, the strikeout numbers have really turned around. After the beginning of the year, they were a little bit low. Uh, not terrible, but we did see some twos and threes and fours. He actually had zero strikeouts earlier in June against the Cubs. So nine strikeouts here, great job against Miami. He is still one of the better fantasy pitchers. Not... He's not going to blow you away with the strikeouts or anything, but, I mean, nine last night, seven the time before. Uh, I still love Adam Wainwright. Still got a ton of value there. Talk about Sonny Gray, who I was not really big on heading into yesterday. I've, like I said, I've never been a big Sonny Gray guy, but he really had a great outing last night. Seven innings, only three hits. He walked one. Uh, struck out only three, which is a little bit, I mean, not surprising. You, he's capable of a lot more. We've seen him go 10, 8, and 7 strikeouts this year, but we've also seen one, three, four. Four. That, that was kind of numbers. So he, he can kind of be all over the place in terms of his strikeouts. Last night, though, seven in, innings of shutout ball. Really good stuff. It was against Cleveland. Cleveland is kind of hit or miss offensively. Yes, they're pretty good. Uh, they do make a lot of contact. There's not a whole lot of power in that lineup, but they're a very good contact team. He held them to only three hits. You got to respect it. Uh, like I said, not a big Sunny Gray guy, but great outing here. Let's move on to Noah Syndergaard. Syndergaard had his best outing in a while, actually. He went seven innings, gave up only six hits, three earned runs, one walk, and struck out seven batters, tying his season high. Only threw 79 pitches, and you think maybe he could have gone a little bit more, but they didn't want to push him. I completely understand that. He has not been great. The strikeout numbers have not been great. I've heard it joked about by many people. Uh, the, the strikeout per nine is like, not Zach Grinky level, but like we were getting there for a little while. He's got a bit better these last couple of games. Five, five, and seven, but he's not going to be a massive strikeout guy for you anymore. Definitely not the same guy we saw on the Mets. I think he can still have some deeper league value, Noah Syndergaard, but he's, I don't know. He's really not that interesting to me. The Angels as a whole aren't really too interesting. He's still 74% rostered, which does feel maybe a little bit high. I think he's still worth holding on to, but I don't think he's going to have a ton of value going forward. Uh, let's talk about a couple more pitchers here, and then we'll move on to position players. Lucas Giolito had himself a bounce-back outing. Six innings, six hits, two earned runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. Very good stuff, considering he scored in the negatives his last two games. 15 total earned runs over those last two games. I still have some faith in Giolito, but I'm not thrilled. If you can try and sell him after this outing, I would be all for it. I don't think that he's going to be too valuable. The White Sox are a mess. 
Uh, Tony La Russa is hated by everybody in Chicago. Uh, they don't like the way he manages the team. I know some people were kind of upset on Twitter last night thinking Giolito could have gone one more inning. I understand them not pushing him there, but I think in general the disarray at the manager spot can lead to a lot of weird stuff in the dugout, lead to different performance issues. That's why you saw a lot of people uh, kind of giving up on their Bryce Harper MVP bets once Joe Girardi got fired because you typically once a manager gets fired, you see a lot of crap go on. Uh, performances tend to struggle. And you see a lot of a lot of stuff like that. So when I see Tony La Russa, and I think he's probably going to be okay, I don't think that they'll fire him, even though it is a chance if he keeps up, uh, if he keeps disappointing the fans, if there's enough public outcry, maybe they'll do something. Regardless of that, though, the disconnect that seems to be there between the players and management and coaching, I think that does play a factor here. So uh, it doesn't mean that Giolito can't have value or that White Sox can't have value or players on the Phillies can't have value for that matter. They can. I just think that it's a lot harder for there to be focused on the field when there's trouble going on in the dugout. That kind of thing, yes, like I said, it's not the biggest of deals. They can still be good, but I would be fully open to trying to sell Giolito right now. I don't think that he's going to be that same kind of pitcher we've seen in the past. He's been at times looking like one of the better pitchers in Major League Baseball, at times looking absolutely terrible. So a little bit of the good with the bad, very good start here. If you can try and milk something out of that and sell people on, well, this is a return to form, I'd be doing it. He did have a couple of rough outings against good teams, so you can use that as a selling point. It was Toronto and Houston, so it's not really a true representation of who he is. And I don't think it was a true representation of who he is. He's a lot better than 11 hits, 7 earned runs, uh, 7 hits, 8 earned runs, 3 walks. He's better than that. Now, he's probably not as good as we thought he was, but he's still someone who can who can be valuable, I think. So I'm looking to sell him right now, but I'm not looking to buy him for sure. If you are being offered Giolito, I wouldn't be accepting. But if you are in a position where you do roster him, throw out some offers and see if what you can get back there. Let's talk about some position players. Juan Yepes is who we will start with. He went two for four last night. He had two home runs, five RBIs. Obviously, he scored twice. He's up to a 282 batting average with nine home runs and 24 RBIs on the season. I really like this kid. I really like a lot of the young guys over there in St. Louis. They've done a really great job of mixing in veterans like Goldschmidt and Arenado with their younger players mixed in with some uh, medium-tenured guys. Uh, poorly phrased. I'm not feeling well. You guys know what I mean. They have done such a great job of mixing the young with the old, and I think they're in a position to compete right now. They're probably going to want to add a couple of pieces at the deadline. I'd imagine they probably add a starting pitcher or something like that. But I love the Cardinals, man. Yepes is just one example to go along with Gorman and Donovan and Edmund and Bader and Tyler O'Neill, who's, I mean, granted, had some struggles this season. I just love what they've done with that team. Just such, such a great job. Uh, Cardinals, I uh, tip your hat to you guys. I love what you've done with these youngsters. Juan Yepes is definitely someone who I think can still have value. I know that he's not... So highly thought of in fan, in redraft circles anyway. Only 20% rostered. He still provided value that is 360th on the season. I know that's not, doesn't jump off the page at you, 360. He's just inside the top 300 in terms of a per-game basis. But when you look at the stats, sometimes you have to ignore the rankings and just look at the stats. 21 runs, 9 homers, 24 RBIs, and a 282 batting average. He doesn't bat terribly high in the order, but he does have quite a bit of RBI potential there considering the guys that he hits behind. 
your Arenados and your Goldschmidts and whatnot. So I think that there's still, I think he is still a strong ad in, in a lot of leagues, probably in 12 teams and deeper. You look at, he's doing everything except for stealing bases for you. He's contributing in all categories. I really like him. Yes, uh, you can't expect too many steals from him going forward, if any, but the power numbers are legit. I really like the guy. Go and add him if you need a bit of help in the outfield. His teammate, Paul Goldschmidt, was four for four. Two singles, a double, a home run. Two runs and two RBIs. Don't need to spend too much time on Goldschmidt here. I'm thinking he's probably the favorite for the National League MVP. It'll probably come down to him and Machado. But I think Paul Goldschmidt is kind of owed one. Uh, all those years in Arizona of just high-level, serious high-level production from him, I think that he will probably get it just because a lot of people feel like he's owed. And I'm okay with that. On top of that, he is having a ridiculously good season, 347 batting average, 19 homers, 64 driven in. He's even got three steals. He's not the same 25, 30 steal guy he used to be. But you're getting steals out of your first base slot, which is a, a massive plus there. I, I really like Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, like I said, always going to be a little bit more partial to Cardinals. But Paul Goldschmidt has been fantastic. Let's talk about a couple of catchers now. Gary Sanchez will be the first one. He went three for five. He had a home run, a couple of runs, scored. Knocked in four. I like Gary Sanchez okay. He's only batting 227. He was only batting 201 last year, so it is a bit of an improvement. He's fine if you want to roster a catcher. I know a lot of people have been streaming catcher slots in this season just because there's been a lot of different viable catchers, you know, whoever you drafted, and then maybe you've moved on from them for an Alejandro Kirk or an MJ Melendez or an Adley Rutschman. There's been a lot of viable options come up at the catcher position this year. I'm fine uh, rostering Gary. He's a decent baseline guy. He'll hit you some home runs, bat for a shitty average. He's actually got one stolen base this year, which is great, but I wouldn't expect too many of those going forward. He's fine. Like I said, he's fine. Let's move on to Mitch Garver, who's in the same kind of category. He also hit a home run last night, scored a couple times, drove in a couple. He also drew a walk. And another guy who has one stolen base on the season. Another guy who is pretty much, uh, you could copy and paste what I said about Sanchez. He's a fine back-end kind of power, low-average guy that you can roster I kind of would prefer to stream the catcher slot. And I even know some people who just don't even roster a catcher in their league. They just keep the slot empty. If they need to stream somebody, they always have that slot available uh, or that roster space available, I guess. And you can always add somebody in if there is a hot streak going on, a Jose Trevino or a whoever, Garver, Sanchez, Melendez, any, any of these guys who catch fire a little bit, you can just plug them in there. Or you can use the spot for pitching streaming. I think it's a, it's a fairly viable strategy if you're in a one-catcher league. Let's move on now. We're going to talk about some of the hot pickups and drops on the waiver wire. The number one added player, I think, across all formats, all sites, everywhere, is Isaac Paredes. He's up to 44% rostered now, and it's, like I said yesterday, I, I think it was yesterday on the show, it's just a knee-jerk reaction here. Uh, yes, he's gotten very hot recently with these home runs, but the power metrics don't really add up to saying that this will sustain. Now, he is still the number one ranked player over the last week, 10 for his last 15, five home runs, nine RBIs. That's ridiculous over the course of a week. Uh, it's, it's an extremely hot streak, but to expect any player to hit at that kind of pace, we don't see that from literally anybody. We don't see it from Trout. We don't see it from Otani. We don't see it from Guerrero. Any, any of those top players, Goldschmidt, Harper, whoever you want to talk about, you don't see it from any of them. We cannot expect it from Isaac Paredes. It's a short-term thing. I do think that he should be added. But to expect this to go on past another couple of games, maybe he'll hit a few more home runs, I think would be far too overly optimistic. So, yes, he's an ad. 
Don't go dropping any kind of established players for him. Don't go adding him in a 10-team league. I don't think that's necessary. Unless, of course, you already have a spot carved out on your roster that is just a streaming spot where you rotate in the hottest player. In that case, then go ahead, add him in whatever format, sure. Just don't expect this to last more than uh, maybe a couple more games at, at best. I just don't buy it long term. Uh, J.P. Sears has been called up. He'll start for the Yankees today. Or not been called up, but he'll be put into the rotation. Actually, you no, know, he was called up. He was in the minor leagues, I believe. He's bounced around up and down this season a little bit. He'll get the start against uh, the Athletics. He's been very good in his time in the majors this season. Seven innings, seven strikeouts, nowhere in runs. He does have two victories as well, which is more luck, I think, than anything else. I wouldn't be adding him really here. Uh, I think he's probably going to be more of an opener. I wouldn't expect him to go too long, uh, just giving everybody else a bit of extra rest here. They figure it's the athletics. They don't need to really push their starters here. I wouldn't be jumping to add him. He has been added. uh, 9% of leagues have added him today. We're looking at 7,800 teams have added him. That's a lot. That's a lot of faith to put in someone who not, not really a track record there. I'm going to be holding off. I'm going to be saving my ads for later in the week. Not even just necessarily later in the week, just for different options there uh, other than Sears. Let's talk about Vinny Pasquantino for a second. Finally, the Italian breakfast has been served. He's called up. I saw a really funny meme. I love me some Moneyball. You guys know I love Moneyball. I've talked about it a couple times. Any baseball film, really, I can get behind, but Moneyball is a lot of fun. And it's that scene where you got Brad Pitt and Philip Seymour Hoffman there. Uh, God rest his soul, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Great actor. Really funny scene where they're sitting in the office and he wants to start uh, Carlos Pena at first base. And Brad Pitt, Billy Bean, tells him, we've traded Pena. He doesn't play for us anymore. you got to put Scott Hatterberg in there. Uh, same kind of thing happened yesterday. Carlos Santana got traded to, uh, was it the Mariners? Yeah, it was the Mariners he got traded to. And there's someone who overdubbed the scene on on Twitter. I think it might have originated somewhere else first. I'm actually not really sure where it originated, but it was um, Billy. We got. I want you to start uh, Pasquantino at first. Well, no, I'm not starting Pasquantino at first. It's going to be Santana. Well, you can't start Santana at first. And that's that whole that whole back and forth exchange here. Those of you who know Moneyball, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you guys saw it on Twitter. I got a real kick out of that. It was it was a lot. It was really funny. And I don't think Carlos Santana was standing in the way of Vinny P necessarily. I don't I don't know exactly. I mean, not that the Royals make a ton of sense with what they do on generally. I mean, he shouldn't have taken this long to be called up anyway. But um, I don't know. I just I got I got a real kick out of seeing that. You guys should try and find it. Maybe I'll, I'll share it out on Twitter because it was it was really funny stuff. Uh, maybe we'll mention Carlos Santana there for a quick second. He has been fairly hot recently, and I guess this is the real-world equivalent of kind of like a sell-high. Over the last week, he's 8 for 19. He's got a home run, 8 RBIs. Yeah, he's fine. He's not really going to be a fantasy-relevant player, though. Uh, he does walk a lot, so if you are in a league where walks count for a lot, then maybe, sure, uh, in your standard points and category leagues. Not really going to be too interested there. But Vinny Pasquantino, I think, is a strong add across Every league that's about, I'd say, 12-team and deeper. I mean, At first base, we talk about this a lot on the show. First base is pretty crowded, even when there are guys who are very valuable and they might be producing. The fact that they're only eligible at first does limit them a little bit. Some guys, like Rowdy Tellez, who I really like, and I think he should be on a lot more rosters than he is, his first base only eligibility kind of limits him there. That kind of production, if you're getting that from another position, a lot more valuable. But the fact that it's only at first does limit him 
With Vinny P, I like the overall fantasy game here. We just have to see exactly what he's going to do. I'm assuming he'll be somewhere in the middle of the lineup. Who knows? Who knows exactly what they're going to do with him? You'd have to assume somewhere in the middle. But to this point, uh, 280 batting average. He's got 18 home runs, 67 RBIs in 69 games. He's got a ton of power potential. He should be the everyday first baseman. Uh, 12-team leagues and deeper. I'd be all on board with adding him there. Let's talk about Keegan Thompson for a second. I put out a couple of tweets last night about Keegan Thompson. I think that he is going to be the best streamer available today. And when I talked about it yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet or not. He's facing the Reds. They rank in the bottom third of the league in batting average, on base percentage, and in home runs against right-handed pitching. Now, Thompson in his own right over the last two starts, 16 strikeouts in 12 innings, only one earned run. 31.2 called strikes plus whiff percentage. Shout out Nick Pollock for creating that stat. Great stat. He's only had two bad starts on the season, and one of them came against the Yankees. You get a pass for that one. The other bad one was against the Orioles, I believe. But you do get a pass for that Yankee start. They've just been that good this season that they're going to hit you around. They're on a historic pace. So not such a worry there. Uh, when I put this tweet out, he was 45% on Yahoo and 38% on ESPN. Now, those numbers have moved around a little bit so far today. He is up to 49% on ESPN. And, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that I had anything to do with that. But it's good that you guys think uh, you guys are somewhat agreeing with me there, seeing the roster percentage go up. On ESPN, it's gone up from 38 to 43. And I know a lot of that is just going to happen because he's he's a pick for today. But it's good, it's good to see people actually going out and adding him because he is worthy of roster spots in a lot more leagues than he has uh, than he's currently owned in. Through 61 innings, he's got seven victories. Granted, only 55 strikeouts, but a 310 earned run average, 1.15 whip. Will definitely play. He's still less than 50% rostered, like I said. He is a really strong ad. He has overperformed a little bit on the season, but if you look at what the Reds have done, I think that he's going to be definitely a valuable play today against a fairly poor offense. Juan Yepes is another guy who's been added a lot. We've already talked about him. Uh, yeah, he is someone who I think has a lot of value, should be added. Uh, John Gray is another guy who has been added quite a bit, and he has been on a bit of a roll over this last month, over his last 30 innings, 264 ERA, a couple of wins, 36 strikeouts, and really nice is the 1.01 whip. Now, the, over the last two weeks, that's .79 over his last couple of outings. <clears throat> He's done a really good job, uh, Philadelphia and Detroit, in those last two games, respectively. He gets Kansas City tonight. I think he's pretty viable. I know he's rostered in 53% of Yahoo leagues. He's more of a probably a deeper league guy. or Yeah, he's probably more of a deeper league guy. Sorry, guys. Uh, still not feeling the greatest here. Uh, you guys are hearing this, and it'll be over the course of 25 minutes, but it's going to take – it's taken me a lot longer than that to actually uh, record here between uh, sips of tea and <laughs> different things like that. So – John Gray is definitely someone who I'm going to be looking into if he is available. I just don't think there will be that many spots where you can grab him. Uh, like I said, 53% rostered. I'd try if you can. Uh, but I, honestly, I think that Thompson is still my preferred target for tonight. Let's talk now, guys, about a couple of the major drops that we've seen over the last 24 hours. George Kirby gave up four home runs last night to the Orioles, and a lot of people, out of spite, I think, dropped him there. 4,600 leagues moved on from him. About a, a couple percentage points drop in his roster percentage. I'm not really ready to move on from him yet. It's a bad start for sure, but I really like what we've seen out of him. He's gotten better as the year's gone on, 
like I said, it's a, earlier in the episode, it's a knee-jerk kind of world we live in. We react to the most instant things. It's why we saw more than 5,000 people add Juan Yepes, even though, yeah, he's already projecting out before this as having very good power numbers and being a fairly viable option in that lineup. But the two home runs, people say the two home runs, and they go and add him expecting that that's going to be every night two home runs. That's not how it works. Uh, there is a lot of fluctuation that goes on. There are a lot of variables game to game. Kirby did have himself a shitter, there's no question, but I wouldn't be moving on from him just yet. It's too valuable, especially if you're in 10, 12-team leagues. Uh, or maybe in the 10-team league, you might find some better options, but anything 12 and deeper, he's got to be rostered. Uh, Eric Fetty, he's also been dropped. He didn't have a terrible outing against Pittsburgh. He went five innings, only gave up two runs, but he was added as more of a streamer, not a big strikeout guy, not a low-whip guy, really. So I do understand moving on there. But over his last couple outings, he's thrown 11 innings, ERA is at 1.64 and the whip 0.73. Just something to file away. Not anything we're going to be making a move on right now, but something to keep an eye on for sure. I had a bit of a swing and a miss on Chris Bubik yesterday. He had a bit of a tough one, gave up seven runs. Only five of them earned, though, so a little bit of a silver lining there for fantasy managers. Four and a third innings in his loss to the Rangers. I thought with the two-step, he's got the second start against the Tigers later this week. I thought it'd be a decent add. Uh, I missed on that one. It does happen. My apologies there, guys. Tyler Wells also been dropped quite a bit. He only gave up one hit in one run yesterday in his five innings, picking up the victory. Another guy who was added as more of a streamer, but he's been actually very solid over the last month. Believe it or not, Tyler Wells is the 21st ranked player. 32 innings, 1.97 ERA, .88 whip. He's been very solid these last few times out, and he's moved himself into deeper league contention. I'd say if you're in like a 15-team league, I would say that Tyler Wells is solid. Tristan McKenzie is the next guy. People have moved on from him uh, a little bit, not so much, just about 3%. We've seen him dropped in about 1,800 leagues on Yahoo yesterday, or today, I guess, because of yesterday. Not the greatest of outings. He gave up seven earned runs to the Twins. Tough, tough stuff. I did mention uh, this is, uh, I mean, I, with the Bubik, we uh, talked about the bad. With McKenzie, we'll talk about something, some good that I did. Uh, I did say in the beginning of June, I put out a thread about him saying that he's probably someone you can be trying to sell high on at that point he was providing top 90 value overperforming a little bit based on the advanced metrics and over this last month the era is at 5.59 i still think he's worth holding on to he's still a lot better than this i think but uh definitely happy with myself for that one like i said we'll talk about the bad predictions we'll talk about the good predictions at some point we'll do a, a good bad and the ugly show I was thinking maybe midway through the year, but maybe we'll wait until the end of the season because you can never really tell what a player is going to be like in the second half. So, I mean, I know I did those fantasy awards, but that's kind of just marking what had happened to this point. If you're talking about my takes, yes or no, from preseason or early season, I kind of want to see a full season of work there before I declare them victories or failures. But uh, hopefully you guys listened to that particular tweet and sold high on McKenzie. When he was providing top 90 value, he's now ranked as the 245th player on the season. Jordan Montgomery, he's also been dropped quite a bit. And like I said, man, it's just that knee-jerk reaction. Even with the bad outing yesterday, he gave up five runs in six and two-thirds. It wasn't the worst of outings, but it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. People are dropping him. He's still pitching to a 3.27 ERA this season. He would have a lot more wins and be ranked a lot higher than 181 if the Yankees had provided him any run support. They haven't, granted, we haven't seen the strikeout numbers that we have in the past, but he's still someone who is going to have a ton of value. Ranking inside that top 200, it could honestly probably be borderline top 100 if the Yankees had given him a few more runs and 
possibly got him a few more victories. If he was looking at six or seven victories right now, you can almost guarantee he'd be inside the top 100 there. So I'm not really ready to move on from him just yet. Jack Flaherty, a lot of people have moved on from him. He has been put on the injured list. He already missed a ton of time to begin the season. Now he's started three games, three innings, three innings, two innings. And people are already sick of him. I understand it. I'm probably going to be holding on if you guys do have an IL slot. Santiago Espinal has also been dropped quite a bit. He has been struggling recently. He's been very cold over the last couple of weeks, six for his last 47. I still think at a weak second base position, he's someone who can have value. He bounces around in that Blue Jay lineup. A lot of times he's leading off. A lot of times he's down in the bottom of the order. It really depends on if George Springer's there, what they're going to do with Boba Shed on a given day, who has off days. He does tend to bounce around, but he has been known to lead off. He has been known to bat second, but he's also been known to bat eighth. He just kind of is all over the place in that lineup. I still think in that lineup, most guys are going to have value who play every day, and he does play every day. So for me, personally, it mixed with the second base eligibility. I'm still holding on to Santiago. Let's talk about Bryce Harper for a second. He's going to be out for what they are projecting to be six weeks. Yes, he's not going to be a drop, uh, but he's definitely going to be someone you need to replace with some kind of outfield production. The best options, as far as I see it, are probably Juan Yapez. He's someone we've talked about today already. He's someone who I think can have great kind of power production should be an ad in a lot of cases. Uh, Jaron Duran, when they get back from Toronto, I think Jaron Duran can plug into that outfield spot, give you some speed, not so much power, but he'll give you speed, should be batting at the top of that Boston order and should be a decent option. Those two guys standing out for me quite a bit. Brandon Nimmo as well, who has not been so hot this last month, down to a 253 average over the last month, but he's still someone who's inside the top 200 for the season. He can be plugged in there. And I think he makes a decent replacement for Bryce Harper. So that's those are the guys I'd be looking into who are being added quite a bit. They're more popular names, but I think that they are popular names for a reason. Specifically, Juan Yepes, only 20% rostered for whatever reason. He's someone that I would go ahead and add. Actually, in the time I've been recording this, it's gone from 20% rostered up to 21% rostered. So people are starting to catch on a little bit. I would go and add him while you can. Last thing we'll talk about here today, guys, because... My throat is really sore. We'll try and end this up pretty soon. We have a couple of pitching matchups that I'm going to be keeping my eye on tonight. The first one will be the Braves and the Phillies. Charlie Morton and Zach Wheeler. That is the one that I'm really interested in. Charlie Morton. Man, another tweet that I put out yesterday was talking about the best uh, expected fielding independent pitching that we have seen so far uh, in June. This is talking about not qualified pitchers per se, but guys who have thrown at least 25 innings, which there are about 65 or 70 of those guys. Charlie Morton leads in expected FIP 0.99. The next closest is Dylan Cease at 2.25. That shows how dominant he's been. Morton also leads in called strikes plus whiffs in that time period and in swinging strike percentage, 38.3% and 19.3% respectively. Morton is someone who has really turned it around. I thought at the beginning of the year he was cooked. A lot of people thought he was cooked and was going to be a drop, but these last four starts have been phenomenal. Yes, the first couple of starts of the month, he did give up three home runs in those outings, and even in those last one, he gave up a couple home runs, but those dominant strikeout numbers have really come into play. He's missing a lot of bats, and like I said, the expected FIP, which is pretty much removing all the factors that the pitcher does not control. Uh, They just show you the quality of the pitches he's been throwing, He's expected to have a .99 FIP. That's really impressive over any stretch of time, but specifically over this stretch, if you look at the guys behind him on that list, Dylan Cease, Shane McClanahan, Spencer Strider, his teammate, and Corbin Burns, 
really impressive stuff from him. I'm looking for a good outing again against the Phillies. Tough matchup on the road, but I'm looking to have I'm looking for a good Charlie Morton outing here. His opponent, Zach Wheeler, is coming off a lot of bad outing. I mean, not a great outing for him. He gave up four runs. Only two of them were earned, eight strikeouts in four and a third. For fantasy purposes, it's not terrible. Like I said, only two of the runs were earned. Uh, three walks. That was definitely a concern. He hadn't walked anybody in the two starts prior. But we've seen a very good version of Zach Wheeler this season, a 2.77 ERA, keeping the walks fairly low, only 17 and 74 innings, and only three home runs given up all season long. I really like what he's been able to do. Really going to be interested in this matchup here. Last thing we will talk about is the Brewers and the Rays. Brandon Woodruff has been activated off the injured list. He will start today. I don't know if they've actually made the official announcement, but he will be activated off of the injured list. We weren't seeing great stuff from Zach or from Zach from Brandon Woodruff before he went on the IL. There were a couple of promising starts right before he went on, but a lot of home runs he'd given up to this point in the season for his standards anyway, especially over these last few outings. Uh, it started off pretty okay, actually, keeping the ball in the ballpark, but over these last few games, uh, seven home runs over his last five appearances. Strikeout numbers, not great. Four, six, six, six. Really, honestly, I'm probably going to be giving him one start, depending on format here, uh, on the bench before we put him back into our rotations. Now, I'd start him in a points league a lot more comfortably, but I don't have a ton of faith that he's going to go deep in this game. Uh, it's a hand problem. I don't know exactly how much they're going to let him go here. He was throwing uh, about he threw 74 pitches over five innings during his last rehab start. He'll probably be able to throw 75, 80 pitches here, but I'm just not sure how efficient those will be. Tampa is a sneaky good offense. I'm Granted, not quite as good this season as they typically are offensively, yes, but still, they can be sneaky good. They're a good team. I don't know about Brandon Woodruff here in his first outing back. I'm probably sitting him in category leagues, starting him in points leagues. Shane Baz is the counterpart tonight. He is someone who I love. And again, my apologies to any Pirates fans. Must honestly just hate hearing his name at this point because he should be yours. Uh, that first start was really rough off the IL for Minnesota or against Minnesota. Last two outings, 10 and two-thirds innings, only one earned run, 13 strikeouts. I'm liking him here against the Brewers. They kind of hit and miss their lineup. Uh, sometimes they're very good, sometimes they're really shitty. We saw a good version of them against the Blue Jays over the weekend where they really got to Jose Barrios. Uh, they took two or three from Toronto, and they looked very, very strong uh, offensively. So, yes, they can do that kind of thing, but Baz has really settled in these last couple outings. I'm going to be interested in starting him here regardless of format, but I'm also going to be keeping an eye. Baz really does have elite stuff, and I'm going to be looking for him to use it here against oh, who is an all right lineup. I think the best way they can put it for them is they have an all right lineup that can go off and really give you crazy games depending on what's happening with McCutcheon and Adamus and some of those guys who are, are the glue of that lineup. You know, you're, you're figuring that you're going to get decent production out of Christian Yelich. You can get home runs out of Rowdy Telez, yes. Uh, Tyrone Taylor has been very good. Hunter Renfro has been kind of hit or miss this season. Uh, you never really know exactly what you're going to get out of that lineup. They have a lot of potential, but here I'm, I'm comfortable starting Baz. Went a bit longer than I thought I would, was able to make it through about 35 minutes. I hope you guys enjoy. I'm sorry for uh, my voice sounding the way it does. That's just what happens when you are traveling and you're around a bunch of people. And I did have a great time on the trip, but this is uh, this is my penance, right? No good deed goes unpunished. Uh, not that it was a good deed, but you, you guys get it, I think. 
I think tomorrow I will give you guys the floor, at least for part of the show. I'll send out some questions on Twitter, see if you guys have anybody that you want me to discuss, to dive into. I'll probably send one out tonight and one out tomorrow in terms of a tweet like that. And we'll deep dive here on the show. Now, tomorrow night, I'm going to be recording an episode with Frank Amarante from the game day. It will be out on Thursday morning. We're going to talk some betting stuff. We'll talk a little bit of baseball. We'll talk about maybe who knows what we'll talk about, but we'll definitely talk some baseball, some fantasy baseball, some betting. He's from Toronto as well, so we'll talk some Toronto stuff most likely anyway, maybe touch on the Blue Jays. You guys are not going to want to miss that one. Frank is a really bright mind. He is someone who focuses. Now he's starting to transition a little bit more into football, but we're going to pick his brain on the baseball side. So you're not going to want to miss that one. That'll be out Thursday morning. We'll try and get it out as early as possible for you guys who like to listen on the way to work. Guys, thank you again for putting up with my gravelly voice today. I really appreciate you sticking through if you have all this time. We'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.